Let's head into our sermon for the morning, the eternal promises of God's law. We are coming again to this mountain. It doesn't look like a mountain in that picture because you're standing on it looking down, but trust me, that's, that's a mountain, and it's very possibly the place where Jesus preached this thing. You know, if you had been there that day, you might have seen that view, and you see that big open space. Maybe you were sitting there. We need to sit there in that field, surrounded by the cicadas and, you know, the chiggers. We need to get there. We need to be uncomfortable and moved into discomfort by the wonder of the teacher that we encounter there. Because he blesses our lives in ways that nobody else can. This morning as we listened to the, not, not that guy, that's an actor, you know, but the person that's representative, we listen to his words, he's going to say something to us that maybe strikes us a little strange. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish these things, but to fulfill them. Now, I don't know about you, but I have mentioned it in class today, and, and for some of us this isn't a real big deal, but... I grew up hearing, you know what, you've got to rightly divide the law of God, the word of God. You know, the old covenant is old, you know, and the new covenant has come, and we want to be New Testament Christians. Now, I hear Jesus say, don't think I've come to abolish the law. There's a part of me that goes, but wait, <laughs> didn't he? Maybe he just meant, you know, I haven't come to abolish, but that's going to get done in about three years. You know, once the cross is done, that old covenant stuff is done over with you know and I don't know maybe, but in my life I've never offered an animal sacrifice I've never done that even one time you know and I know an awful lot of Christians who have marked their bodies with art anybody know somebody like that you know I won't call on you to raise your hand if you've got one of these but you know how many people do you know that are that are redeemed people but you know that's against the law right it says so or there's a ton of stuff in that Old Testament that we look at and go, yeah, that's really not something that, that means anything to me. It's not real binding on me. Yeah, my daughter just pointed out, no bacon. That's, you know, that's the one that's the big deal on the screen. <laughs> you know, the, the stoning disobedient children to death part, that's not as, but the no bacon, I mean, come on, you know. And, and in that law, there's also these, this, this word that really sounds like if you do these things, you'll live, and if you don't do them, you'll die. It sounds so threatening and dangerous, and quite honestly, I'm glad it's done away with. Aren't I? And isn't that what we want? Even Paul himself says that Jesus nailed that to the cross. Did he? You know, if you read that passage carefully, you know what Paul says is nailed to the cross? Is the written record of your sin. It's curse-oriented stuff that's nailed to the cross. The cross doesn't do anything to the law of God. And in fact, if you read the New Testament, you read Paul's attitude towards the law, it's always positive. As long as you aren't using it to try and save yourself. The minute you try and do it as a, as a, you know, the make righteousness, a do-it-yourself project, and you're going to pick up the law for those purposes, Paul gets really irate. But in terms of what is that thing there for? 
He says it's good over and over and over again. And quite honestly, that makes a lot better sense of Jesus. Because He says, do not think I've come to abolish the law. And I think He meant it. I haven't come to get rid of everything that God has been doing up to this point. And what Moses said is good and true. He's come to fulfill its purposes. He's come to bring about what the law was meant to accomplish. Because anybody looking at at human nature, uh, then and, and now, you can see that the law, well, we're still a mess. Right? Mankind, Judaism in the first century, it it was messy. We need help to get where the law was leading us to be. That's what he's promising right here. But in the cross, it all goes away. Really? Well, I'm not sure why that blank slide's there. But anyway, he says, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke of pen will pass away from the law and the prophets until everything is accomplished. Well, now, if you read the everything is accomplished as if what he means is the cross, then once everything is accomplished, the law can go away. But just to make sure that you don't do that, he stuck in that stuff about heaven and earth. This morning when you woke up, were heaven and earth still around? Yeah? I mean, you drove here on the earth, right? I'm I'm just making sure it wasn't just me. You know, I'm pretty sure that the building that you're in is sitting on something. I, th- I think it's still out there, right? Heaven and earth are still in existence. And what he's, he ties both those conditions to the abolishment of the law. So until heaven and earth pass away, not three years from when he said this, but until everything is done. And the everything is done, well, I think that's when he comes back. I think that's when it's all going to change. But why is he talking about the end of the world when he talks about the law? Well, the law is necessary as long as the present order exists. Because we live in a cursed existence, you and I. And not just around us, in us. There are messy, messy things. Sinners need the law. The law of Moses has a purpose, and that is to reveal the will of God to sinners. That's what it's for. And that will never change. God's will isn't capricious. It's not one thing one day and something else another. It's always the same. Yesterday, today, forever. And so the law of God is showing us who God is and what God is like, and that is immutable. And it's necessary for us right now. When Jesus says it's going to be here until heaven and earth pass away, it's because, oh folks, a day is coming. A day is coming. You see, right now, I need to be told things like, don't kill people. Now, to be quite honest with you, that law is not as useful in my life. Because while I'm very tempted to get angry with people, I rarely actually pick up a meat cleaver or something. But I am a mess inside. And the same things that lead people to kill people are inside of me. It's just to a lesser degree that I'm still in control of. But I need to be told, don't be like that. 
Don't have anger just all over the place. Don't hold on to grudges. That's a bad idea. Forgive everything. I need the law. I need to be told what God is like. Now, a day is coming, though. When the resurrection happens, the law will be unnecessary. Not because it will have changed, but because we will have changed. In heaven, nobody ever needs to be told, don't take what isn't yours. No one has to be told that. Because God would never do that. And either will we. We will bear perfectly the image of God. So we won't steal others' stuff, and we won't steal others' honor, and we won't feel envy and greed and all of the mess that's in us. The resurrected person doesn't need it. But the broken person does. And you and I live in this broken existence, needing to be reminded again and again of the nature of our God. So that law, it's just not going anywhere. It's come to show us what He is like. And so Jesus says things like this, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. You go around telling people, just, ah, don't, just ignore that. It's not a big deal. Or you, He's saying, yeah, you might still get there. But as a lesser individual in the kingdom. And, but whoever keeps them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. What on earth is he talking about? Because so much of it is gone, right? Well, I will suggest to you that while we don't offer animal sacrifices, we do participate in a sacrifice, don't we? One done once for all time. And there's nothing that, that has changed that hasn't changed because of the actions of the Christ. But there is so much that is still absolutely valid. Like, you know, does the resurrection of Jesus mean that we get to murder? Of course not. How are we supposed to understand what Jesus is talking about here? Well, I'm going to suggest to you that what's actually what he's actually saying is that there is a way of reading the law of God that is New Covenant reading. There is a way of reading the law of God that leads to the people of Israel and their brokenness under the Old Covenant. And what Jesus is going to lead us to is a new and better way of reading the law. One that we would want to teach. One that we would want to embrace. Why do we want the law to be gone? Well, because in that, there seems to be a kind of threat hovering behind every single commandment. You had better. So, you hear things like, I am the Lord your God, and you shall have no other God before me. And that shall brings about an ought and, an, and a demand for obedience. And there seems to be, although it is unspoken, there seems to be a threat. You will have no other gods. And if you do, oh, I'm going to be so mad at you. I'm going to get you. Because you know that's who our God is. Thou shalt not kill, or else. Because if you make a corpse, I'll make you a corpse. You better not cheat on your wife or I'm going to get you. Now that seems to be and when you read the law that way, when you read the law that says, if someone is poor and comes to you and asks for a loan, 
Do not go into his house and say, I want that. That's your pledge. That's your, that, and I'm taking that until you give me back my money. No, 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 no. You wait outside and you let the poor man bring it to you. And if you don't, if you violate that guy that way, I'm going to get you. What you do when you read the law that way is you go, oh, man. There's an awful lot of expectations these guys. There's 613 of these. If I step a toe out of line, he's going to get me. He's really kind of a jerk. Okay, all right, God. I'm going to do the best that I can. But you go away and let me work on this. And when I get myself good, then you come look at me. But until then, leave me alone because you gave me what I need. And I'll do it. No wonder we want it to go away. No wonder someone would want it to go away. Because, good grief, have you ever tried? Have you ever tried being the good person that God expects you to be without God's help? Have you ever tried? I mean, this, is the, this, this approach to the law is the very reason that Adam and Eve ran away and hid themselves. Because they determined that they had blown it, and instead of a help, God was a threat. God was a danger. There was an or else at the end of His commandment, and He's out to get us. No wonder we want that to go away. No wonder we want God to go away as long as we see Him like that. But that's not how Jesus reads the law, folks. When Jesus reads the law, He hears it as promise. You will have no other gods but me. Why? Or else I'll get you? No. But because when you get to know him, you won't know anything else. You won't want anything else. This God, if you come to know him and you dedicate your heart to what the commandment calls you to, have no other gods. If you dedicate your heart to that, then you will get to know that God. And when you do, you'll be like, oh, this God's wonderful. He's all I want. Now, why do you get there? Because God is with you, helping you get there. Or when He says, don't kill, what He says is, you will not kill. And you can hear that as, or else, or you can hear that as, if you're with me, in covenant with me, then you won't be a person of violence. You spend time with me and the killing will be burned out of you by my presence. So come and be with me. Don't cheat on your wife. Don't commit adultery. You spend time with me and I will make you a person of faithfulness with the ability to honor your commitments because that's who I am. And when you spend time with me, you will become like me. This is who you will become. The laws are not filled with threat. They're filled with promise. What God is saying in the law is that if you are in covenant with me, I will make you a new people. Remember, it was never intended to earn salvation. When did the people get the law in the first place? Was it before or after the Exodus? The Exodus is where they received their salvation. They were saved. They were in danger. They were threatened. They were oppressed. They found themselves in a situation where they couldn't solve it with the army coming behind them. And God made a way where there was no way. And He parted the waters and they walked through on dry ground. And then they made their way to Sinai. After He had closed the waters behind them and destroyed the threat, 
They were saved people already. And He said, okay, now you come be with Me. The words of God are always promises of the kinds of people that we will become if we spend time with Him. So when the law says don't kill, He's saying, I will make you a person. If you, you dedicate yourself to Me, I will make you a person who's able to forgive what you think is unforgivable. I will make you a person who doesn't need to lie or manipulate or steal. I will make you into a person who is absolutely worth being. Read that law and tell me that there's bad things in it. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And so shall you be if you are with the Lord your God. And folks, those promises are going nowhere. They are eternal. You can count on them. This is what God is intending to work in you. From this point on in the rest of the sermon, Jesus picks up a way of contrast. From here through the rest of chapter 5, he's going to show a difference between the way that they read it, which is an or-else reading, and the way that he reads it, which is a transformed heart reading. Because when we trust God to remake our hearts, we become something wonderful. We enter into the kingdom of heaven where God reigns. And He reigns over our life and His rule is never oppressive. It's always serving. It's always lifting up. It's always changing and transforming our hearts. It's always making our lives worth living. Just as He promised to do. And so He says, well, I tell you, unless your righteousness goes beyond that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. You know the way we read that, it's like, unless your righteousness goes beyond that of Darth Vader, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. It's like, duh, of course. No, no. No, no, these were the good guys. They were the most serious about Judaism that you could find anywhere. They were wonderful folks in the eyes of their culture. They were super, super, super religious. They, just, they were just children of Adam. They loved the law of God, but they didn't really know the God of the law because they had spent their whole lives going, God is a threat. He's saying or else. So I'll say or else to everybody else and I'll judge everybody else. And you can live that broken way even now. There are Christians who live that exact same way, who hear the word of God and think God is bad. He's threatening. He's dangerous. I better get it right for God. You never enter the kingdom of heaven that way because you never, you never approach the king. You never throw in with his sovereignty and say, I will be your person if you'll help me. Jesus is saying, the kingdom of God is open. You just have to start thinking God's a good person. Start hearing the words of God as offers rather than obligations. Now, hear this. You're going to need to obey you know, the, the, you're going to have to put every bit of effort that you can into being what God expects you to be. Just know that you're never alone. Those who walk with God have the power of the Holy Spirit working within them to make their obedience a real tangible possibility. That it actually can happen. And that what the law of God expects of us can begin even now. Because someday we will be that. Someday will be it through and through. That's the promise of God. 
you will live with an absolutely whole heart someday. Even here, even now, walk in His ways. Because those who walk with the Lord are strengthened by the Lord. Now why anyone would want that to go away is beyond me. They are promises from God of the kind of people you can be. And the promises of God are that we will become what He intended for us to be by His will, work, and grace. That's what the law is. It's a list of beautiful promises into which we are invited to walk. And none of that's going anywhere. Jesus promised. He promised, I'm not taking the law away from you. And you can live with God's will known, revealed, and empowering you. Can we accept it? Can we read the law the way that Jesus does as a call to a transformed heart in the hands of God? Because God is telling us, I'm not going anywhere. Whatever you face, however you fail, no matter how you struggle, no matter what falls on you, I am with you. As eternal as the law is the presence of God, always with us, for us, empowering a changed life. And His promises, folks, He always keeps them. So He will keep them in you. So when He says, you will not kill, guess what? You won't. When He says you'll be free from anger, guess what? You will be. When He says you'll be free from lust, you will be. The work of God will be completed in us and it is begun now. This is the work of the Christ. It's a life worth living, isn't it? If you look into your life today and you say, you know what, I've been running from God's will somewhere. I know God promised. He said I wouldn't be like this. And I am. But I don't want to be. It's not you that will set you free from that. It's God. Live in obedience and hear His call, but also live in His grace and receive His power. And if you need the prayers of the church, we want to pray for you. If you came into this place this week and you had suffering that's going on in your life and you need the care and the attention of the people of God, and it has nothing to do with what I talked about, but you need us to pray for you. We want to. This is praying church. Let us know and we'll pray for you. And if you're not a Christian, today's the day. Start following this great good man. If you're subject this morning to the invitation of God, why don't you come right now while we stand and sing.